Hello and welcome to the Total Football New Zealand podcast. I'm Connor Clements, joined today by Mike Anderson, actually in studio for once, well, in studio in the Miramite um, sheds, um, if you would. And our guest today is Scott Hales. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me and waiting around for uh, training to finish. No, no worries. It was a it was a pleasure to be there and, and witness some of the the drills that you were running the boys through, and the, and the game at the end was good. Yeah, really. a, bit, a bit nicer to watch than some of the social football we've been at this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Scott, I'm just gonna kind of take you through like your career from when you first got into football as a player into now as a coach, yep. taking you from the whole history of past to present. Um, starting with your first memory of kicking a ball or what got you into football at the start? Yeah, first memory of kicking a ball would have been um, I was playing football on the playground just loosely and the school uh, coach headmaster back then because I was at a village school. Yeah. Um, we only had like maybe 110 kids at the school. Um, they had a school football team and I never trialled, I wasn't interested. And he saw me playing on the playground just with my mates and he just said, look, can you play tomorrow night for the school team? And I was like, yeah, okay. And went home and said to Dad, look, Dad, can I, can I play for uh, Mickleton Primary School in Cotswolds? And he said, uh, yeah, cool, I'll come to your game. And he had some boots. So I was, I, I was maybe 11, mm-hmm. so I was wearing my dad's football boots. I was I was probably size five, and he was size <laughs> 12, twelve, and they yeah, were like, fantastic. They were like um, boots. And they were, you know, I think I put like four pairs of socks on to make sure that they fit, and and I played. And I think my dad, like, fin- the game finished, and my dad said, "Like you're actually quite good. Like do you do you like want to like go to a club or blah blah?" Wow. And then like the rest is probably just patches along. But that was like my first bit. Yeah. Um, of just playing for the school football team where I never trialled, but the headmaster saw me in the playground and went, you. That's crazy, and, that, and that's 11, so that's quite late for a lot of yeah. football development. Football yeah, development. yeah, yeah. I, was, I was late. Um, uh, we'd moved around quite a bit as a family through uh, Dad's work, mm-hmm. um, so not really settled um, mm-hmm. because, of, because of his job, so uh, we kind of got settled in this place, and, and yeah, it's uh, eleven is quite late, um, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was never. Um, football was never me. I used to walk into the front room, and Dad would be watching because, like, obviously the eighties Liverpool were like the club in the eighties. So I used to walk in, and Liverpool were always on TV, and I was just oh, right, it's either that or the Grand Prix, and then I just shut the door and <laughs> yeah. go and do something else, you know. And so for those that um, can't actually pick up the accent or the Liverpool reference, um, uh, you're from the UK. What part of the UK? Are you? Uh, do you actually um, uh, come from? Yeah, so that the my family's Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we live just outside Birmingham. Um, we lived in a village in um, the most northern part of Worcestershire, uh, and we were yeah lived in a place called Mickleton, which is about nine miles away from Stratford upon Avon. Yeah, yeah, smack bang in the middle. And so, when did you move? Like, you've had your first kind of experience in football. You've had your first match. When did you know that you like football was going to be a thing for you? Like, um, did you move to a club or did you move into like some sort of academy setup? Yeah. So then, in the village where we were, there was a couple of guys that came out of I don't know who they were, and they it was fifty p each time you trained, and you just trained at the village park, and 
and then I think my dad came down and watched me another couple of times and said, "Look, do you want to do you want to trial at a, at a club um, uh, under under 11s or under 12s club, which was probably about half an hour drive, Evesham Colts. They were like the top club in mm -hmm. the whole area, um, and." Obviously, I was new to football, so my dad didn't expect big things and trialled with about 100 other kids. And I, mean, I remember being sat on the ground after the trial, and I thought I did okay. Um, and then they did the old, like, 100, 100 names on a list, and they just said, if your name's called out, you're in. And, and they actually called me Stuart Hales. <clears throat> so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't click that I'd got in. So I yeah. looked over to dad, and I was like, oh, right, you know. That's it, and he was like, "No, no, no, when you got in." And I was like, "No," like I said, didn't say my name. He said, "No, I think they got your name mixed up." Went over to the guy, and he goes, "Yeah, sorry, Scott, bloody blah, blah." So yeah. there was eighty other kids, or eighty-five other kids, crying for their dads, walking off this massive field, and there was fifteen or sixteen of us like cock a hoop because we've made we've made the Evesham Evesham United Colts team. So. And what, and what position, um, did you have a position back then? Did you have a position that you started off, like striker, defender? Yeah, I was a midfielder. midfielder. I was a midfielder back then. Um, I was quite good at cross-country. Uh, so it was one of those, like, he's quite fit, and I was left-footed as well. So it kind of oh, yeah. moulded into, you know, midfield 4-4-2. You're the left side of midfield, that's you. Um, so, yeah, that was my position for probably most of my junior moving into youth you know, in the 15s kind of position was midfield or or wide on the left um, in a four, midfield four. And were you a goal scorer or a setter-upper? No, I was a goal scorer actually. I used to pop up and with um, with quite a few goals this season. I think my first my first six games for that club when I was turning 12, I scored something like nine goals or something. Yeah, so... Damn um, start. I used to score, yeah, I did use the score. I used to pop up um, quite a lot. It was... Yeah, so we used to have like the old cuttings out of the local newspaper. Scott Hale scores two goals and Evesham <laughs> nice. beat Badsy 8-1 because obviously back then we were 11, but we had full-size goals and I could kick it quite high and far. So I used to score from what I thought was 40 yards, but it was the 18-yard box. <laughs> <laughs> you say it was a lob the keeper, yeah. but the keeper was, you know, like me, I had to aggress off her, so yeah. just went over him rather than lobbed him. So, uh, and the keeper's kind of getting quite frustrated going, <laughs> yeah. have I just had a couple more feet? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was... That was Junior football in England for you. Yeah, eleven aside, brilliant, brilliant. And so, where did you go after Evesham? Where did you progress to in, in the youth ranks? Yeah, so then, uh, what did I do? I I then went to I played. So in England, it was quite different. You played club on a Sunday afternoon, mm -hmm. um, but on a Saturday morning, you played for your district. Okay. Um, yeah. So. I played for Mid and South Warwickshire district side, so we, we were in a league every Saturday. Yeah. And that's usually where all the the scouts from pro clubs would mm -hmm. come and watch you on a Saturday morning, and then they'd kind of handpick you, and then they'd shuffle you into a club um, where you'd play on a Sunday morning for, for that club. Um, so there was a mix of, mix of our group. There was a lot of Birmingham City, there was a few at Villa, and then there was a couple at West Brom, and then there was a couple of us that went went to Wolves. So is it is that connected still to the footballing pyramid, or is that just more like a representative it's side? Just, it's just a school of excellence. Basically, mm -hmm. so every age group, uh, a club would have a school of excellence team. Mm -hmm. uh, I think now they even go down to uh, they probably go to five years old now. Yeah. But yeah. back then it was under under 11s and then under 12s. But you just 
followed all the way through really so so I was at, I was at Wolves so yeah. what age was that when you got scouted by Wolves uh, I'd have been 15 I think 14 15 when I went into went into Wolves um, and then in the meantime obviously you trialled with your district mm-hmm. and then you had a county team yeah. um, and that's where I actually got picked up for for Wolves we played we played a Birmingham team uh, a county team and they smashed us like we played West Midlands and they beat us 4 nil. and it was like, like none of us had a good game we were blown out of the water but then it was obviously there was no back then there was no emails or anything so like your house phone rang and then mm-hmm. like, picked it up and then a guy would be like hey it's so and so from Wolverhampton Wonders and it was like oh that's quite random and or your, your coach would ring you to tell you if, you, if you're in the team yeah. it would be between 7 and 8pm on a Tuesday and I'd sit by the phone waiting and then the, you know my sister was a little bit older and she'd have a boyfriend calling and I'd be like get off the phone <laughs> <laughs> my coach is gonna ring so um it was like yeah like quite cool back then yeah and so, so that's, that's that, where I moved that was the first professional contract you signed or was uh, that no no that was just like a school of excellence, school of excellence. that was yeah. literally just a training group mm-hmm. you were in a league and you just played in a played in a league against yeah. other pro clubs but they were you know school of excellence yeah. chopped and changed I think we had a squad of like 50 you're this game you're not the next game you're this game okay. and my first game was against Aston Villa and we beat them 6-4 nice oh, wow what a game yeah like random game so, fa- so fast forwarding for a second um, in this day and age do you guys just like as a team Wellington um, organisation and you obviously have a team Wellington youth side and the academy side how do you notify them? Do you just send out an email, or is it calls out to the players? Or? No, I I try and go a little bit more of a um, bit more of a hands-on personal approach, where mm-hmm. uh, meet meet the players, but obviously because they're youth, you meet the parents, um, and then go through it that way. Because it's so much easier now, you can WhatsApp or yeah. you know text someone, arrange mm-hmm. the coffees, you know takes you know five seconds really. Um, so. Yeah, I, I prefer to meet the player mm-hmm. and then say, I'd like you to come into the youth team. With the academy team, it was uh, it was more of an, it, the group was kind of formed with Miramar under 17, so they were all, already on the, on the radar. On like a group uh, mm-hmm. chat, so mm-hmm. it was easy, we just we just hit that chat and then added bits as we went with some yep. some, some older players that would, um, would benefit from being in there. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, okay, so going back, so you were with Wolves. What was the next step for you? Then I joined. Um, then I joined a, an academy. Mm-hmm. So obviously my parents uh, were were big on um, not like education mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Um, yeah. Back in, oh, I can't remember what year what year I'm talking now, but <laughs> I'd have been I'd have been sixteen. Yeah. Um, so I I done my GCSEs at school, and then. I did okay, and then my dad and mum were like, look, the, the landscape's changing in football, you need to have an education behind you, mm. and then pro clubs started to operate with academies, and the word obviously academy came from, you train, but then you have academics, yeah. mm-hmm. whereas obviously in the pro game now, they have their own schools and things like that, so so I went to, I went to a college which had a, had a football team, but it was the first academy ever made in the UK where they linked a full-time football program with a uh, with a college which was an education program so 
So it meant that um, basically you did some college study, but then you trained, and because basically every player was a good player there, I think I went to five trials, and there'd have been a hundred player players wow. at each trial, and then I managed to get into the team, um, but they were all from pro clubs that had wow. gone, right, education and playing, mm. so that's the, that's the avenue I went down, so moved out of home when I was just 16 or turning 16, mm -hmm. I, might have been, I might have been 15, I'm not quite sure, uh, moved in to a like, block of, well, a, a masonette um, with... For with those that don't know, <laughs> a masonette is what? A masonette is a house, <laughs> but obviously in England you have stairs up, mm -hmm. and, and we only had the top half. Yeah. yeah. So, it was, uh, so we had three single bedrooms for five players, and <laughs> one bath, and a kitchen that's the size of your Mac Air. <laughs> so for five, for five, five boys, oh, yeah, wow. five, five lads. Yeah, yeah, so I moved to Simon Sester, um, mm -hmm. which was about 45 minutes to an hour away from, from where I lived. Mm -hmm. And what was the university called? The, the, uh, the college, college was called Simon Sister College. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, and... Uh, First one ever in the UK then. First one ever in the UK to link a football program with um, academics. So, yeah, it was quite it was quite interesting. Uh, it was quite hard uh, training five times a week. Yeah, playing two games a week. And the good thing about the academy because it was because we had good players. We were in the uh, because obviously no one was professional at that age unless you were you know, Wayne Rooney or whatever. <laughs> um, we played on a Saturday morning in the pro league. So we played against professional teams. So in that area it would have been Plymouth Argyle, Exeter, wow. Bristol Rovers, um, and we, we kind of played Swindon Town. We played in that league against players who were still fighting for that professional contract mm -hmm. at 16, 17, 18. Um, so you're still getting that level of So you're still getting the level of competition um, and the, we were training five times a week, but I was still doing college um, of the other morning. So we'd do college nine till 12, and then at one o'clock, we trained till half three. And then that was every day. And what were you studying? Uh, I was studying football coaching. Oh, nice. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's setting you up well. So, yeah. yeah, it was quite cool. Uh, our coach was quite famous, actually, our coach now, because he, I don't know, Leeds United... Uh, they, had, they had a crazy chairman mm -hmm. who used to sack people every so often. The, the Italian One chairman? Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Our, our coach, David Hockaday, was the guy that they pulled out of non-league football and given him the Leeds United head coach role. I know the one you saw. Yeah. I think he was only there for maybe six months. Yeah, about six um, months. <laughs> but David Hockaday was our, our coach. Hockey was our coach. Like, amazing, amazing coach. Mm -hmm. um, so we were quite blessed with the fact that we had a good coach and we had a good academic program but we were in a in a tough really tough league you know playing your trade against against the pros or you know pro teams mm -hmm. cool and so after after college what was what was your next step coaching yeah 100% mm -hmm. straight into coaching um, did you continue to play or you yeah just I did I did play I did play um, at, a, at a good level still played at a uh, like a I, I couldn't even remember what the tier would be now, but it used to be the Dr. Martins League. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Great which, name. So Great you had Dr. Martins would have um, like Southern League, Western League, um, mm -hmm. 
so I knocked about in those leagues mm. and then and then had a little bit of a pop at Worcester City as well, which were in the, the top division of the Dr. Martins League, so mm -hmm. like a premier division. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but I was coaching at the same time, so I, was, I did my badges while I was at the academy, um, and then and then suffered a, you know, I'm one of those uh, great English statistics. Yeah. Suffered a, an injury, um, and to be honest, didn't have the mental power, willpower, strength to to basically get off the canvas and keep going. And I just, you know, I was one of those statistics that went, it's not for me or not good enough. Yeah. Um, I'm cutting it short and I'm gonna go down this avenue. Um, you know, I probably wasn't good enough to go, you know, full tip mm -hmm. all the way. Um, but yeah, just didn't have that. I think there was a there was a something I watched the other week with the Sheffield United uh, coach, and he was talking about Jamie Vardy, like the amount of times he probably got knocked down, mm -hmm. and he kept getting up and kept getting up. Well, well, I didn't. I was one of those that didn't. Yeah. Um, so, so I went down the coaching route, um, and yeah, my first first stint was um, was at the club Eversham Colts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> their rivals were Badzi, and I went to Badzi and coached their <laughs> under-16 team. Wow, my amazing. Coming full circle, you should yeah. go and do this, and I went straight back in and coached and had a had a really good under-16 team and won the league and wow. did all of that, and it was it kind of got a bit of fire in the belly for coaching, and then, and then because I'd followed a dream for so long and been so committed to playing football, I'd, you know, I'd only ever been on holiday with my mum and dad, and Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I want to, I want to go and experience something. And there was a, there was a coaching company that were hiring English coaches to go to America oh, yeah. and coach in America. But it wasn't like a, like a Camp America. Mm -hmm. It was specific football. Um, so I, I, I went all the way to the other side of Birmingham, uh, took a session in front of some random guys, and they just went. You, you can, you can <laughs> go to America. So then I did all the visas, and then next thing I know, I'm I'm in LA and Rolls Royster, and boom, I was in America, just basically running holiday programs. Wow. Um, but yeah, then one of them said, uh, like you're you're actually quite good. Do you want to start like running residentials and academy camps and things? Mm -hmm. I was, I was like 10 and 19, I was 19 and... 19? Wow. Yeah. So when did you, like what was the injury and how old were you when you had the injury? Uh, I, was, I was 18 when I had the injury. Yep. So it was pretty, it was an ankle injury, it was pretty, pretty yuck really. Um, one yep. of those where I didn't look after my rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. Um, did you have the support around you that you probably would get in this day and age? Oh, no. No, no, <laughs> no not with like, you know, look at Team Wellington tonight with the... With the great staff that we've got here, and you know the physio and James, mm -hmm. like, we don't like, didn't have didn't have that. It was. Uh, I guess they play a double role too, because there are actually more people to actually talk to the players and to yeah. yeah. Whereas mine was just like, right, you're injured, so you're out. And yeah. Like, yeah. And then it's like next, because there's obviously a conveyor belt of yeah, you know, hundreds of kids. So I was just yep, yeah, see you later, and I I just didn't get off the canvas. Just like right, I'm done then. See you later. I'm yeah. out. Rather mm -hmm. than nutting down and starting again or whatever mm. I just went there okay but I mean 19 and then America and, and being offered this coaching role I mean it seems like yeah, it, was, it was it was amazing it was yeah. it was easily you know probably the best the best nine ten months of my life like easily with 
landing in LA, didn't know anyone, nobody, all I had was on a piece of paper. So you don't mean the last season with Team Wellington wasn't the this 9 to 10 months ago? Hey, he's 19. I mean, that's a great age to remember. Yeah. I've never been away from mum and dad. I was, yeah. just, like, I was great. Yeah. And, uh, that's a great age. So, uh, yeah, like on a piece of paper, you've got to be at the Holiday Inn on Sunday at 2 o'clock and then walk into this Holiday Inn and there's all these other English coaches and they put us on a bus and took us to a university and just outside LA and then gave us like a two-day course on what they want from us um, and then yeah then they said right uh, you're getting in car three so we turned up to this car park and there's all these cars with these numbers on and then I met the guys who I was spending the week with and we had to drive to just north of San Francisco and they just went so <clears throat> you leave here your camp starts on Monday this was Saturday we don't care what you do don't trash the car You've got to be at camp on this at this time. And as English coaches, there was five of us in this Chrysler kind of Dodge thing, and we just drove and ticky toured up the you know the freeway, got mm -hmm. to San Fran and kicked down in the backpackers, and then next morning turned up to camp with all these kids and just you know, sat the kids down and went just before we start, does anybody want to host a English coach? Before you know all these like. Like arms start popping up and it was like cool and you just you chose which one you wanted to go to <laughs> <laughs> who's got a pool who's yeah. so how big's your pool <laughs> like, cool and we have barbecues every night oh, and oh cool so then and that's literally how we how we did it and the wow. first house I stayed in you, you honestly couldn't write it it was uh the, the, the dad was working in the stocks in New York time, so he was always up early. Mm -hmm. It was, um, like, a, to say it was a mansion would be an understatement. Wow. And, and, and the mom allowed six of us to stay there, so we all stayed there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got there on the night, and we opened the door, and she just flipped the lights onto the pool, and the pool was, had like a, it was all on rocks, and it had a slide down it on a waterfall, and... All these lights, and we were just like 19, just looking at each other, just going, What yeah, are we there? Good choice here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Really, really well. Um, so, so, even back then, there was a lot of resource um, into de developing like the game in, in America. Yeah, like the, 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 um, the female game in America was streaks ahead of the mm. men's game when I was there. In, in uh, when was it, like 98? No, it would have been past that. Why is it, do you think? Do you think it's because it was viewed as a female sport early on? Or? I, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I just remember working like further down the line. I worked with a, with a female group um, as a team, and the, the, the players were just technically better than the, than yeah, the, than the, than the boys. Mm -hmm. like it, was, it was blatantly obvious that the girls were so far ahead, um, and, and they were, like, for sessions-wise, they were far more enjoyable to, to work with because they could do exactly mm. what you wanted and mm -hmm. they were challenging you as a coach so it was um, yeah it was pretty pretty cool like the, the, the female game was in was in really good shape back then regarding the level of player especially mm -hmm. when you're working with the men and then with the, the, you know, the, the ladies it was like it was a light years mm. and so how did you move on from that from that opportunity did you stay in America or I stayed there for for nine months mm -hmm. um, and obviously then they they asked me to jump into residentials residentials were obviously lived on site um, and had 
like a specific group. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I, I actually played, I actually went over there and coached. And then during one of the trips where we had to be from A to B, mm. me and this other guy were, were driving down to Newport Beach because we had to be at Newport for um, one of the camps. And we just, we stopped and just sat on a hill and we were having some dinner and there was a football game going on and it was like an organized team. And they were, they were two players short today said, can you two come and like, play? And we were just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And we jumped in and they offered us a contract. Oh, you guys are good, yeah. And that's like, that's like my, I probably had five months of to and froing from mm -hmm. wherever I was. I just grabbed the car and I just drove to wow. where the game needed to be. And, but yeah, it was like, fantastic, you know, San, so Bern what, San Bernardino. What team was it? It was called San Bernardino. And it was in a regional league? Or? I think it was a regional league. Do you yeah. know, I wouldn't have a clue what level, <laughs> but it was good. Like yeah. The team were good. It, yeah. was, it was organized. And it was, and it it was, was paid and stuff. And yeah. No, it weren't paid. No? Um, no, no. Because my visa wouldn't have allowed me to, so, um, <laughs> so I wasn't paid. Um, uh, but um, yeah, like amazing. Yeah. And then that was, that was me for like five, five months. Just wow. Yeah, just flicking around and having most of my time down at Newport Beach and Long Beach. Oh, and wow. Mm -hmm. That was it. Beautiful yeah. places then, in America. And then uh, I got offered another visa. Mm -hmm. So a job came up in Hawaii and I, I turned it down. <laughs> I, really turned it down. <laughs> so I, I loved missed, it. I missed home. So I loved I, it. I turned it down and then thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. Yeah. I'm going to see my family. And this opportunity will still be there because I made good friends, yeah. mm -hmm. good relationships, and I did a good job while I was there. And and then fell into the like the, the you know the grind of, of England again, starting mm -hmm. to play a little bit again for a little bit of money, not a great deal of money. And then and then decided that you know let's go somewhere else. Um, so here I am. So you're, you're how old at this point when you decide to go to New Zealand? What, when do you make that choice? I've been 21, 22, 21, 22. And how did the move come about? Uh, my sister lives here. Oh, wow. My sister lives here. So my sister moved out a few years before me. She, she worked um, for um, a polo yard, mm -hmm. so horses, polo. Yeah. Um, some of them were Prince Charles's horses as well oh, so wow. she worked at a polo yard and there was a in the place where she was there was a kiwi guild and they became best friends and she came out to new zealand to see her friend and she ended up staying and then she was like she had a she had a baby and wow. was like right i need to come out and see my niece I haven't seen my niece so came out saw my niece and haven't been home not not quite hawaii but still very nice nonetheless yeah, it's, it was gisborne so yeah. it's not yeah. far yeah. off not far off it's winery beach yeah winery beach is pretty special it, it in is some amazing yeah. place yeah so um so yeah i've been been here ever since but that was my um that was my first that was my second stop actually i landed in auckland stayed yep. in the hopi overnight mm. blowing a gale windy raining hopi, yeah. i got the local fish and chips and got some export gold sat in my hotel and didn't eat anything didn't drink anything fell asleep because i was jet lagged and then drove to gisborne the next day and so Gisborne's where your sister lives. Gisborne's where my sister still lives there. Still lives yeah, there. Yeah, wow. Still lives there. Yeah. And mum and dad live there as well. Ah, there you so go. Mum and dad live in Gisborne. As when well. did they move over? Oh, uh, maybe six years after me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So probably yeah. ten years, eleven years after my sister. Is that the main reason you're not homesick 
anymore. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, you move away from your parents, but like to the other end, other side of the world, mm. the, and next thing you know, they're with you. It's like, guys, take the hint. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a thirty-six hour journey. What are you doing here? <laughs> but you haven't. You, you don't regret leaving England at all now. Oh, look, there's, there's always parts of um, you know England that you miss, um, and obviously I've got I've got a wee man now. You know, seven years old. He loves football, so you know when you know you did the things with your dad, and that mm-hmm. sticks out, and mm-hmm. you know you want to kind of follow those footsteps, really. Of, Taking him to watch Birmingham City play, and you know him not understand what people are saying. <laughs> probably for the best. Not great either, yeah. so probably get a sore neck from watching the football. Um, but yeah, like I miss, I miss Christmas and snow, and mm. you know, I miss. It's what my wife says because she's from Europe, and she's said the one thing I miss is just the Christmas markets. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and the snow yeah. and uh, Christmas yeah. Eve shopping and Boxing Day sales, and it's cold and it's. You know, yeah, like there's, there's huge elements to England that I miss, but there's huge elements to England that, that, I, that I don't miss. But it's changed so much since yeah. I lived there. You know, I think I'm 16 years here, I think, maybe. So, yeah. So, you came to, came to Gisborne. Um, how long was it till you were kind of getting your teeth stuck into like the New Zealand football um, like pyramid? Like, did you start in Gisborne or did you start somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too long actually. Um, so, landed in Gisborne and then um, played. Uh, played for Gisborne City yeah. in the Central League. Um, quite an interesting time um, with Gisborne City. Had Kevin Fallon as the coach. So he was living wow. in Auckland at the time. Yeah, jeez. So he used to he used to fly down on a on a Thursday and take training. Otherwise, on a Tuesday, we'd the first team boys would train with the reserves. Um, a lot of our players were based in Auckland. Mm. Um, there was another four or five that were based in Tauranga. That's a lot of travel for everyone involved when you're yeah. playing in the Central League as well. Well, lucky enough, we had we had, um, we had Russian owners, so we actually had a um, we had a chartered jet. A chartered really? jet. So we had a chartered plane that, fit, that had. How have uh, we not heard of this? Yeah, I have not. Heard 20, it, it would it would fit twenty on it. So the that coach, was the squad. His coach, the assistant, and the chairman. Yeah. Would so they'd leave Auckland, stop in Tauranga, pick no. those boys up, fly to Gisborne. Pick us boys up. When, and when was this? Uh, 2005, oh, wow. 2006, 2007. And you're flying all around Wellington to go play these flew, games. Flew from Gisborne to Wellington. It's quite far. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. Mm. How have we not heard of this? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what we did. Yeah, yeah. That's what we did at Gisborne. Yeah. yeah so. And how did your time go at Gisborne? Yeah, it was okay. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Gisborne City. I liked Kevin as the coach. Yeah. Kevin was, um, you know... From what I knew as well, from um, back, being back in the UK, like the kind of coach that he was, um, obviously he had a you know, decorated career you know, over here with being the assistant to the All Whites, and obviously mm-hmm. as a player, and you know he's done great things as a coach with numerous clubs, and obviously he was at Mags for school. So yeah, really good. Like really enjoyed my time at time at Gisborne until until basically the money and the. And the Russians kind of left. Um, <laughs> Took their jet, <laughs> flew off, flew off into the night, um, uh, and then and then yeah, Gisborne City was still left, so I stayed, um, played for Gisborne in the lower leagues, um, didn't leave, uh, stayed, and and um, and then and then they have a rival club which is Gisborne Thistle, so mm-hmm. they kind of share the ground. 
And so you thought, I'll hop over there? And I did. <laughs> I was player coach. <laughs> player coach. It I see went, a recurring theme happening here. Uh, went, you're not going like to... A, you're honestly, not going to, yeah, it went down like a cup of cold tea. You're not going to Auckland City anytime soon, are you? He's like, the nah. Russians are gone, I'll go across yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I jumped across there and did a, did a season with Gisborne, Gisborne Thistle as a player coach and hated it. Mm-hmm. Hated being a player and a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can... And then... I had a really good friend who was still at Gisborne City, um, and he just said, "Look, mate, come back and and like be assistant to me." He's yeah. a good coach, Blake Mulrooney, good coach. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Come back and play for me, but just be the assistant, but play again because they were bringing some young kids through." Um, so there was a couple of us older guys who said, "Look, we're, we're going to come back to Gisborne City," and unfortunately, the the club's closed now. It's not even mm-hmm. there. Yeah, like it's um, Blake set up a another club called Riverina but that operate out the club rooms but the uh, the club's not there it's, um, it's turned into a boxing gym now and yeah. quite a shame really from from you know the I know it's you know we, it is funny that we had a jet and things but you know it was yeah sounds pretty un- cool unbelievable team from the central mm-hmm. league uh, here like in the central league yeah. we never won the league but um, you know we had some unbelievable players that would walk through you know turn up on a weekend and we didn't know who they were and it was like Noah Hickey Crazy times, but good times. Mm-hmm. That's my, um, yeah, Central League. So, how old were you when you assisted assistant coach when you came oh, back from Thistle? Yeah, I know. I'm making you think <laughs> back. 39 now. What was it? I'd have been 20. I would have been 27, 28. Surely. Yeah, I would have been around that. Okay, I wouldn't have hit 30. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have hit 30. I was, I was 34 when I left. I'd have been 27, 28, okay. maybe. So, so you spent the majority of your 20s playing, at Gisborne City playing. Uh, playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And most so, of the time playing. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then Central Football, the Federation, Yeah. while I was living in Gisborne, they, um, they announced that they wanted a part-time game development officer. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I applied for the role, yeah. um, and I, I got the role. And they said, make it as big as what you can. Um, and I just went in schools, coached in schools, um, did sort of after school programs, little things like that. Just did, and then within maybe two months, they said, right, it's full time. You've made it full time. And <laughs> nice. Brilliant. And they must have been a bit of a buzz. Yeah, yeah, great yeah, work. It was a huge, huge <laughs> buzz, actually. There was, it was, Gisborne's a hotbed of football. Like, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of good players that have popped out of Gisborne that people probably wouldn't know about now or whatever. But there's like some good, good talent in Gisborne, and they you know, when there's when there's a program on offer, then you know the local community do support something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it turned into a full-time role, and and I was there for maybe three years in that role, working hard, and then and then um, Brett Angel. From the UK, yeah. he came over and said, "You're doing really well. We need you to move into a bigger centre." And I was like, "Right, okay." So a promotion, and they moved me to Manawatu. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's when I moved to Palmerston. Palmy mm-hmm. North. So yeah. I moved to Palmy North, mm-hmm. and my region was from Danny Burke all the way to Mount Ruapehu. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's Love a it. lot of driving. A lot, a lot of driving. Yeah. But he was used to it because, you know, in yeah. the US, there's yeah. a lot of driving. In yeah. England, there's a lot of driving. So yeah. you're so perfect man fine. for the job. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my, that was my like, promotion mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, and then while I was in Gisborne, like the back end of Gisborne, leaving Gisborne, moving into Palmerston, New Zealand football opened up. Um, national talent centres yeah. for mm-hmm. like the younger players coming through. So I started to coach on those, which were twice a year mm-hmm. in the holidays. Um, Is that what the FTC done. feeds into, right? It used to feed into uh, it? It used to feed into it, yeah. yeah. So the best players from Central and Capital from an age group would basically be selected and mm-hmm. they'd funnel them into a group um, and then they'd bring in coaches who New Zealand football deemed to be you know, on the way up, all good coaches, and yeah. we coached them for for five days. Um, like most of my first NTCs were at Silverstream College, yeah. and then they moved them to Rathkeel. Um, Do you see the benefit of coaching for such a short amount of time to players? Uh, I think it was more. I think it was more just offering a program mm-hmm. rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's evolved like heaps now regarding mm-hmm. identification. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously. I think Ole were quite um, quite young in their business model then, um, and obviously the Phoenix weren't around. around. Yeah, no. So there wasn't really a lot going on, um, especially the capital. Like in in Palmerston, we had a you know when I was in Palmy, I had like over four hundred and fifty players in my FTC because um, we started wow. under tens, under so eleven, under twelves. Yeah. Um, so we had. Uh, me personally I had a lot but I also set up the Wanganui one as well mm-hmm. so we had a lot in Wanganui not as many um, age groups because obviously of uh, smaller catchment and yeah. whatnot. so um, uh, it definitely served a purpose the NTC because there was a little bit of identification that was had but it wasn't really an impact on player I think it was more right these are good players get them into a system and try and keep tabs on them through the, the local federation I think luckily Central had had Brett Angel, and Brett mm-hmm. was unbelievable at his job. And at the time, uh, Andy Hedge was at Capital, and, and Andy is a like, is a fantastic, you know, coach and like, fantastic at his job as well. So I think both those federations were looked after. As in, if New Zealand fo- football wanted to know who the top 10, 15 year olds were in the, the whole of Central football then Brett would be able to reel off the names and go, these are the guys you need to look at because we had a pretty robust program. So, mm-hmm. so that was kind of like my, like my started my pathway, mm-hmm. really. Um, and in my first year at, in Manawatu, I was the Young Heart Manawatu youth team coach. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, yeah, <laughs> that was interesting because they obviously they're no longer around um, Young Heart Manawatu, but I was a youth team coach for a couple of years yeah. there. And then, um, and then the, you know, my role just got too big at, um, at Central Football, so I stepped away from the Young Heart stuff. And then New Zealand Football pulled them out of the league. Everyone kind of left, and the board—it was just the board left. And then they invited me in to try and set up Manawatu United. Manawatu United were basically just a youth team operating the National Youth League. Mm-hmm. So um, I became, as well as my role at Central, I was the director of football there and, and employed the coach. And, and we operated for the short window that is the, the old National Youth League, which yeah. is maybe three months or whatever it was. Um, and then that folded. <coughs> and then, But I was still doing my NTC. 
FTC stuff and my FTC work, but coaching kind of like died down a little bit because um, federations can't be seen to concentrate on one club. So yeah, yeah. Marist were mm. in the Central League. I was playing because I played a few years for Palmy Marist mm -hmm. as well in the Central League. Yeah. We played three years and then they dragged me out of retirement one year. That was fucking horrible. <laughs> they did that to me, but <laughs> I, th I thought I was turning out to play in a social team. <laughs> yeah, central league. How's that? So I was Friday night having a few beers, and the Central League head coach was a mate of mine, and we also played like third team yeah, for yeah, yeah. Palmy Maris. Yeah. And he yeah. rang me at like nine pm. He goes, "Fancy a game tomorrow?" And I was and like, yeah, "Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah cool. of course. Yeah, like, no problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm drinking a Noah beer. No yeah. problem." Yeah. And he goes, "Cool. Bus leaves at nine. I was like, what? Hold I'm on like, a second. Oh. Like, oh. <laughs> what have I broke myself in for? I was like, Simon, I'm about six deep. And he was like, mate, I need you to play at the back. And I was like, okay, I'll play at the back. And it was the year they won the Central League. They won that game, which won the Central yeah. League a few years ago. We lost 4 1. Um, and I just remember during the game, I was blowing out my ass, and he made a substitution on like 55th minute. And I was like, get me off and I looked over and he smoked at me and he chained me and he was like no you're staying on <laughs> I looked like a fucking crayfish I was bright red boiling night in Napier it was like all these National League players running around I couldn't even kick them you know what I mean <laughs> so I did yeah I did and then I think I gave away two penalties against Tower at Redwood in the following game and I was like you shouldn't play me told you and he was like yeah don't come back <laughs> that's, a, that's yeah. awesome <laughs> The last Central League game, mm. Tower at Redwood Park. What a and so and so. What brought you? Uh, what um, was the reason for moving to Wellington? Uh, so then I, I took the Central League team, Palmy Marist, mm -hmm. uh, did okay there. And then while I was at NTCs, I, actually, I was actually the I became the director of the NTCs mm -hmm. in, um, at Keel. and I met Jose Jose Figueda. And uh, he was the under-17 coach at the time yeah. before he got sacked. Um, so he came to the camp and we we just got on like a house on fire. Um, and then we were on the A licence together. Mm -hmm. And then obviously then the coach at Team Wellington um, left or whatever happened there. And then Jose kind of rung me out the blue and said, mate, I've just got the Team Wellington job. I think we get on. Um, we've got different kind of styles. Would you would you be my assistant? I know it's a huge ask and whatnot. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So, mm -hmm. so that was <clears throat> this is my fifth year at the club. So yeah, a few years ago now, <laughs> and, uh, and and I was doing my day job um, palming, mm -hmm. and then um, I'd move, I'd drive down. Wow, and then I'd do training with Jose here of an evening and then I'd drive back and then I'd wow this is a man work. used to driving we've figured out this. yeah <laughs> drive and then drive and I was driving and then and then it basically got to the point where it was like too much too mm -hmm. much of a strain yeah, on, the, on the family and whatnot. so um, we moved down in January of my first year and I got offered a contract at the Wellington Phoenix Academy mm -hmm. so I was at the Wellington Phoenix Academy um, and they allowed me to do both roles yeah. so I could do the Phoenix Academy under 15 group and also do Team Wellington National League assistant which worked out like perfect really cool 
so that's what made me move basically Jose kind of initiated it and Hed Andy Hedge and Temps were at the Phoenix and they were in contact constantly and they just said look let's just make this work so it kind of bit the bullet took a gamble bang so tell us a bit about Team Wellington how it all started um, obviously Jose big influence but other things in the, in the club players that you kind of got to know um, anything that stood out for you in the first year to, to now uh, pretty pretty nervous really my first mm-hmm. year as the assistant mm-hmm. um, obviously you know the coach prior and you know the club had had a lot of success and they'd already qualified for the OFC Champions League so you know, kind of knew that we were we were like one of the top two three teams in the country mm. dealing with um, like a higher caliber of player uh, I knew Andy Bevan I actually played against Andy Bevan and he was a little whippersnapper and I couldn't kick him either um, so I knew Andy and I knew a few of the a few of the players because obviously when I was Palmerston North Maris head coach I you know, kind of built my team up to play against like Cole Peverly and Ben Harris and mm. Those those kind of guys, so it's quite quite nerve wracking to start off with because like they are some of them have played professional, some mm-hmm. of them have played for New Zealand, some of them have been to like World Cups mm. and whatnot. So nerve wracking, but also exciting. And I know Jose was like more or less in the same position as well because it was his first national league um, like head coach role. Mm. So we were we were learning as we went. Um, and we, we became we became inseparable really Jose and I we, we lived in each other's pockets for like the whole duration that, that he was here um, we were weren't just colleagues we were close friends family close friends as well so um, <coughs> so yeah nerve wracking is probably the way I'd put it but obviously as soon as you get on the grass it kind of goes out the window because you're in your element and everything's normal really but like before you get on the grass it's not and what's it like? Um, you mentioned that some of them were New Zealand players, some of them have been professional. New Zealand's probably one of the few leagues in the world where you actually have, in a national league side, you have players that probably would never play professional. You have players that um, either up and coming and will play professional, and then you have players that have come back from overseas, mm. potentially. Mm. So as a coach, do you have to manage those players in different ways? Do you have to treat them all the same? What's your technique kind of managing, I guess, the potential attitudes or the potential expectations of players? Yeah, I don't think, like, personally, it's like they're all the same, mm-hmm. um, no matter what background they've come from in that regard. But the only approach that, like, I've always taken is everyone's different. So each person is different yeah. rather than the level that they've played at. So... Um, like some players who have played at a high level you know still need that arm around them tell them how important that they are which which they are some of them respond better to a bit of a rock up here and there but it's not it's not the level it's more about the the, the person themselves it's about the player it's about the player it's like mm-hmm. the person really um, I always put person first rather mm-hmm. than player because the player like some of the players like in our squad um, this year and last year and previous years it's um like you get to know them on a personal level, so you understand like some of the some of the constraints that they have within like their day to day job because they're not pros, they're amateurs. You know, five or six of the boys are on building sites all, all day before they come to training, and some of them have got young families. And if I only look at them as a player, then it's not fair because they're not they're not pros. Where mm-hmm. you know they're getting paid a ton of money, where I can tell them what to do because they're a chattel basically they're not they're 
that that people first. So it's still club, right? It's still got that kind of club element there. Play. Like the big thing, like yeah, like we're a, we're a we're a family, we're a brotherhood, we're we're mm-hmm. tight, we're close, we care for each other. Um, you know, we, we we give a shit about each other. If someone's mm-hmm. down, we we want to know why they're down without overstepping boundaries. And rather than you were poor tonight, you're dropped at the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's more like why were you poor? Like what's wrong? Mm-hmm. I had a really tough day at work and. You know, kids been sick all night. Like, yeah, person first, player second. So you haven't seen your relationship with them change from your elevation from assistant to, to head coach at all? No, they they knew they knew the type of person that I was because I was with them for three years. So mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, for some of them, some of them I know wrote letters to the when Jose left. I know a few of the boys wrote letters to the board and said, "That must be nice." Please eh? can you yeah. please mm-hmm. can you give the job to Scott? Um, mm-hmm. So I know a few of the boys did that. Um, so it hasn't changed. Hasn't changed on that bit. It's more um, the only thing that changes is, is managing staff rather than managing players. Mm. Um, not many processes have changed because Jose and I, because we were new, we were, we kind of moulded all of like everything together, and we learnt as we went. Really, rather than Jose came in with the way he wanted to play and things. Like, don't get me wrong, like he was very firm on that stuff. But regarding the other stuff, we, you know, we. We, we figured it all out as we went, and like what we've got, what what we've got now at this club is what started five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so with Jose gone, obviously you, you're imposing your own kind of style on the team. Yeah, how has that been? How does that feel for you? Does it feel like you're getting a bit more out of the players in, in your image? What? How does your yeah, kind definitely. of philosophy? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think when I came in last year. Uh, Jose was always, you know, I'd rather, uh, I'd like to win eight seven. Well, I, my heart can't take that. I'd rather win, win I, one I to, or two one. You know, like like the past I two weekends. To, yeah. yeah, I seem to remember a particular game a couple of years ago, which probably encapsulates that style. It was yeah. like six five. Here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, was, he was like, he was over the moon. He was loving it, and I was just like, what? Mate, I'm on a roller coaster here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what, what are we doing? I'm yeah. Like, what's, why have you put another centre forward on? I'm losing. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to win. Oh my goodness, what's happening? Um, uh, so yeah, I've gone a little bit more uh, down the lines of you know winning, but not conceding so many goals. Um, and obviously the last two weekends, you know, we win one nil and two one. Yeah. And then if you look at the results last year, although we had a few blowouts when we beat teams, you know, four one or six one. I think you know a couple of the scores were five one or. Whatever the the other ones have been, you know, quite close. You know, I don't think, um, yeah, like clean sheets are a gold. Uh, yeah, and they're not a given at Team Wellington. That's why, like last week, I when we played the Phoenix, I got caught out because it's a rule that the coach on an away trip, if we keep a clean sheet, buys the beers. Mm-hmm. Well, we played the Wellington Phoenix, so to me, I'm fucking we're at home, aren't we? Like we're, in <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to debrief the team, and then Scotty Vasali goes. You do realise it's an away game. We kept a clean sheet, and I was like, "What does that mean?" He goes, "Coach buys beers." And I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> really? <laughs> We're in Wellington. <laughs> We're at Fraser Park. It's yeah. just down the road." To be fair, I got, I got to back the players here 100. Yeah. percent That's a big yeah, goal. Yeah, they got they caught me out. And my problem was like, "Why have you thought about that straight after kickoff?" <laughs> <laughs> Already thinking about the beers for the win. Yeah. So, um, how do you sum up the Scotty Hales slash Team Wellington now? I guess style of play. So you've got some very distinct style of plays in Wellington. Ole have the way that they like to play. The yep. Phoenix have the way that they like to play. 
What's the Scotty Hales take on Team Wellington, and how do you want your team to be playing football? Yeah, so it's it's position based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not possession based. It's mm-hmm. position based um, with players in certain areas at certain times between lines. Um, I obviously play a back three with wing backs with uh, like a box midfield and a nine. Uh, I feel that that gives uh, problems to the opposition because no matter what shape you play against, it's always there's always benefits and mm. negatives. Um, but there's, we're a team that I want us to have the ball more than the opposition. So far in the last two games, we've had the ball more than the opposition, um, and I'm a I'm a coach that wants to not attack constantly, but control the game. Mm-hmm. That's how I want things to look. First two games hasn't looked that way, so that's our work on at the moment. Which if you were here tonight, you probably heard a lot of that information coming out. So it's a position-based game, yeah. um, not a possession-based game. The, uh, the the ball is the tool, mm-hmm. but the space is our obsession. Is the easiest way to put it. And that's obviously fed to the various different teams that are associated to Team Wellington as well. So if you what if like the youth team and the academy team, mm-hmm. exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the methodology of training. And the playing style and philosophy is all delivered to those groups mm. and to the first team. So it's uh, it's our identity. Excellent, cool. Have you uh, got any more on the so list? I've got some questions for you, Scott. That, um, we went out on social media, yeah. and uh, there are some questions that us. Some of them are football related. Some of them are not so football related. We'll try and whiz through these. And there's um, a couple we've added as well. Uh, so, first of all, um, I think we've gone over what was the moment that got you into coaching. Um, what's the worst thing an opposition coach has ever said to you during a game? Wow. Jeez. Mm. <laughs> I see that you're kind of like looking through your head about all oh, of the so, things. So, <laughs> so what could happen? So, I'm just trying to remember what week it was. Um, <laughs> week. Not, not, not something that's really bad. I, I take offence to... Opposition coaches talking to derogatory towards my players. Mm. Ah, absolutely. That's my yeah. only bit that rocks me yeah. up. Mm. It's like, oh, you talk to I won't me talk as to your you players. Yeah. You can talk to me, but yeah. you, you just slated my player. Yeah. Like, don't, just, just leave my guys. I'll leave your guys. We'll just, yeah. we'll just do this. Mm-hmm. So probably nothing that's been said to me mm. on the sideline. Look, I've had a few curly conversations. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but in the heat of the moment, it's like I'm in, yeah. I'm in black. You're in blue. We're at war. Mm-hmm. So you like. Yeah. After the game, it's hopefully they're handshakes you know, and you know. Hopefully, it's you know the, the way it should be. You know, yeah. we're we're okay. It's good. But I've had some curly things chucked at me. Don't get me wrong, but nothing that I've woke up in the night going, oh, what a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is a follow up question uh, from this person. What's the worst thing you've ever said to somebody during a game? Fuck oh, off. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney might probably bleep this one out. Uh, <laughs> I, I could, I could edit it out in terms of bleeping. Uh, so Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not usually that. I'm not usually that bad. I was a little bit at the weekend. I had a bit of an argument at the weekend. Like I probably called someone a fucking idiot or something. But mm. Probably. I've never gone overboard. I've never gone personal. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've probably called them a, you know, C bomb or mm. whatever. You know. Or and what's your biggest achievement in coaching so far? Oh wow! Well. Changing the tech. Yeah, yeah get, let's get a bit of uh, bit yeah, positive. positive. 
biggest achievement so far? Oh, definitely, it would definitely be coaching in the top tier of football in New Zealand. Mm. Nice. Definitely. Yeah. Um, this one, take what you want from this question. Mullet, yes or no? Oh, I think. 100% yes. <laughs> I think I know about that one. Uh, what's your match day routine? Uh, match day routine, me? Mm. Yeah. Personally? I think, yeah, this is aimed Person, at you. Personally yeah. for you. Me, any personally? superstitions, anything? Uh, no, nothing. The only thing I don't do is I don't brief the players before the game. Okay. You don't brief the players before so the game? So they should already know what they need to do, yeah. So, yeah. so you don't walk into the locker beforehand? They Give just... a hoorah and no, yeah. nothing. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah, it's not my job to motivate them. They, they need to motivate themselves. So, yeah, everything we've done during the week should be crystal. There's notes on the board. Mm-hmm. I am very clear on in the changing rooms. There's 16 of them, and there's one of me. That's their space. I knock on the door before I walk in. That's it's their a space. show that respect. That's yeah. not. It's not my changing rooms. It's our changing rooms. But there's 16 of them, so I don't. Um, my information is half during the week, half time. And next one from somebody else here from Twitter. If a player has a bad game, what's your approach as a coach to deal with them having a bad game? <laughs> could, be me- could be many different things mm-hmm. uh, attached to it. Could be, um, could be positional, could be the way they, way they trained all week. But usually it's, it's done through analysis, so it's pretty obvious. Um, and the level of player that we're dealing with at Team Wellington they know mm-hmm. they know if they've had a bad game um, my job is to try and pick them up to get them ready for the next one or make them realise their mistakes and the work-ons and then if they get an opportunity to put them right they do if they don't the following week they know that I'm going to pick the best 11 to try and win the game That's everyone's crystal on that at the beginning of the season don't believe in rotations don't believe in second chances it's we're here to win the games you're either in or you're not but that mm-hmm. depends on you yeah, and what's the opponent that you love to face in the national league? Oh. Look, as a head coach, I've played against Auckland twice, and we drew two all and nil nil. <clears throat> so, like, the the games are always like sticky between mm-hmm. those guys. I do like playing against the Phoenix, mm-hmm. especially when they drop used to drop in pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think last year they dropped in six and then eight. Mm-hmm. I remember playing at Porora Park and like yeah, Rufus Steinman and everyone was playing and it like it's good for the it's good for football mm. um, when you have good players playing against each other. So they give us a tactical battle because Temps is smart and Auckland City give us a tactical battle because obviously Jose is good and the caliber of player. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, <coughs> Hawks Bay gave us a hell of a game at the weekend it was a good game so, to watch um, I don't think there's anyone that I like playing against anyone that will just lie down and let us beat them I think the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never happens these days unfortunately <laughs> and uh, a couple more um, what's the trip away that you dread or do you dread a, a oh, trip away look, it could yeah. be due to travel it could nah, be yeah. due to the grounds look, look a story a story last year last year we played Hamilton away of course it's Hamilton <laughs> played Hamilton away flew into Hamilton um, it was a Sunday following day was a bank holiday mm-hmm. we lost the game 1-0 so I was, I was spewing anyway because we'd lost and we 
we, were, we had loads of the ball and we had chances and we didn't, didn't score. And then some of the boys had muttered that they wanted the Monday off because it was bank holiday. Ah, yeah. So mm-hmm. we usually go to the gym or do recovery on a Monday. Yeah. So my speech at the end of the game was, don't worry, you fuckers ask for a fucking night off tomorrow. Like we're training, like we're training Monday. Showered, like boom, got on the bus, get to Auckland Airport. As we're going into Auckland Airport, every flight cancelled to Wellington. <laughs> I'm like, right, okay. Every flight was cancelled the following day oh, no. to Wellington. So we're in New Zealand football. What do we do? What do we do? Bear in mind, it's bank holiday the next day. The yeah. boys have, some have got family, some yeah. of them work. It's like, mm. need a break, blah, blah, blah. So we stayed in the hotel to them. But bear in mind, we had to drive from Hamilton to Auckland to get on the plane. So that's yeah. a two-hour journey after the game. So yeah. shit, anyway. Yeah. And we, um, we stayed the night at the hotel, and then we bussed back from Auckland to Wellington on bank holiday the following day. Fantastic. And Unreal. we didn't lose a game after. Oh, really? Yep. Mm. Pulled the group together. Mm-hmm. We jumped off in Taupo, had a swim in Taupo. Nice. And then we got all the way back to Wellington. Yeah, so, like, definitely, <laughs> definitely that one. Uh, That's funny. What do you think of Auckland City getting nominated for the Club World Cup? Great question. Um, I think a few teams will feel hard done by. I think I read somewhere about Magenta as well. Like, I know Eastern Suburbs, but mm-hmm. I read somewhere about AS Magenta. Yeah. Something around the same goal difference or they didn't play a team that they probably could have beaten like quite a, by a large amount of goals or something like that um, so yeah look I think if we're really honest and we're really brutal about it like it's a hard decision to make in the climate mm. that we're in regarding COVID I think if they'd have, I think if OFC had have chosen someone else someone else would have had an axe to grind as well yeah so it's probably the decision with the least the least controversial decision if you I hear what I mean so. I think they've yeah. gone with what they've gone with obviously there's some statos out there that have obviously picked up the magenta thing I, d- I don't think Eastern Suburbs have got too much of a gripe mm-hmm. um, but I do like it, like the magenta one was probably something that I didn't know and when I I think Jake Butler from Waitakere former Waitakere and Hamilton Wanderers wrote it and I was like oh don't know if that was looked at. Um, so was it? So did they just do it on a points basis? Weren't going. And they did it on a points and then goal difference. Mm. But they, like, they didn't lose a game. They didn't concede a goal, and they finished top of their group. Auckland did. But I think Magenta got rewarded a three-nil victory against a team that was getting beaten like 12, 13, 14 nil. Mm-hmm. So mm. I think that the, the goal difference bit was the was the most contention. Yeah. Um, but for for. Um, New Zealand and for Auckland to go and hopefully they do well and look we all know that the the Club World Cup is probably the biggest sponsorship of money into the National League and to New Zealand football so Mm. like for me it's and for the game over here like it's like there's that element to it Mm -hmm. if you're selfish about it but yeah either way they'd they'd have gone I think they'd have they'd have got their pants pulled down about something Yeah, yeah that's true and look, you know, we we all wish that that O League could have finished and um, COVID hadn't happened. But like, people have got to make some tough decisions. So taking into account um, all of your experience from like um, England, America, not Hawaii, but um, and then then also here, 
what do you, what do you like about the New Zealand football setup and what's missing? Yep. Um, I love the fact that um, that there there is a league in the winter, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that regionally we're able to bring in the best players from those clubs and play them over the summer period. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the, the time of year, and I like the fact that the there is a, an extra bite in the um, National League. Like it is, it is considerably higher than regional football. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, now don't get me wrong, Southern and Tasman have been great over the last few years football-wise because Tasman beat Auckland City and us last year. Yeah. I like the fact this year that it's eight teams and it is condensed um, because of the player pool in New Zealand and I think from a Wellington point of view there will be some people who disagree with me but I do honestly believe that through through certain avenues that Ole have taken with suburbs and Canterbury and the Phoenix and the Phoenix being the Phoenix I would say regionally the best players from Wellington are playing National League football mm-hmm. um, Whatever avenue they've taken, yeah. which is fine. Through LA, kind through, of dispersing LA, their players, suburbs, and yeah. whatnot. So, That's so for me, up. Wellington, Wellington serviced really well, mm-hmm. um, and that for regionally, I think that's really strong. I'd love to see the league um, have a little bit more care taken mm-hmm. with it, um, like standard of pitches, mm-hmm. which is a must. Um, I think it's it's huge. I think it's huge that the standard of pitch is yeah. is important, um, and I think there's other bits that can be done for the league, uh, definitely. Um, but but I like I like the national league because it has an air about the national league, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I know people hold it in high, a lot of people hold it in high regard. So would you get rid of artificial pitches if you ideally? Please, yeah. Please, yeah. yeah, especially ones with different coloured markings on them. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, Always. I think Ole is probably the only artificial pitch in Wellington that doesn't have like complete multi-coloured markings yep. across yeah, it. Yeah, purpose built for. Yeah, for that's that. purpose built yeah. for football. Used, yeah. used a lot though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I think ideally, you get grass pitches everywhere at the top level. So to to finish off. Um, we want to know what's your five-a-side team of players oh, yeah. that you've played with or coached. Your f- ideal five-a-side team, players you played with a coach, and then we do one with your legends. So obviously yeah. anyone in world football. But to start with, it's so purely players you played with or coached. And you can be in your. You can, you be, can in be in it. both. You can be in it if you want. I'm definitely in. Um, <laughs> and you need to put in a keeper, and then you can choose your, the rest of your formation. Got you. It's going to be really hard because if I name some Team Wellington players, then the others are going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> the rest will be jealous. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go like National League. Mm-hmm. If I go just National League. Okay. Yep. And then that's probably the best way to do it, I think. I think you've definitely got to have Scotty Vasile in goal, 100%. And you've got to have uh, Justin Gully as a defender next to Belanga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel Belanga I think um, uh, Ollie White 
definitely. Good okay. shout. Yep. With um, Tade mm-hmm. and Ben Harris. Wow, Ben mm-hmm. Harris. I mean, if you if you go in world football, who who are you so choosing? So this is now you're choosing your legends. Best five players at Birmingham City. <laughs> <laughs> we apologise for anyone who doesn't know these players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, we also apologise for anyone who hasn't heard of Birmingham City. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not even I know them. Um, yeah. Got to be uh, Buffon in goal. Yeah, yeah good shot. Legend. Uh, Maldini. Did you grow up watching Italian, Italian football, Italian yeah. football with James era. Richardson? It's that era. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Baresi. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's Italian backs. Gaza. Mm-hmm. Paul Gascoigne. Gary Lineker. Alan Shearer. Wow. That's solid. Yeah, that's a solid that five team. Aside, that five-a-side team is definitely showing your age, though, Scott. I think a lot of people can't stand Neymar yeah. that's rolling around um, alright I think that's everything we've got mm-hmm. uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about though is um, we talked about the fact that you're obviously not going to the Club World Cup but what was it like being at the Club World Cup for you um, uh, and is that something that is kind of like you see it as the pinnacle of where you want to be again or is that just something that's kind of, you know, it's dreamland. We'll put it away in that, on that shelf of dreamland and then we'll focus on the actual stuff. Yeah, uh, no, definitely. It's um, it's definitely somewhere where I want to be again, like 100%. Yeah. And to, to the Team Wellington players that you, you watched out there tonight, um, it's still the burning desire to, to get back there. Um, and we see the, the National League and then fingers crossed the, the OFC Champions League as our opportunities to get back to the Club World Cup yeah. um, it was look, it was uh, you were a superstar yeah that's and how you were treated yeah yeah. I mean and I think I've seen interviews from Jose yourself in the past where they just talk about um, well, you've talked about the pitches and the people who do stuff for you and it's just you're treated like professionals so it's a great experience for everyone involved the staff yeah. the players everyone, everyone yeah, yeah everyone like the, the the crazy places that you go and the, yeah. <laughs> the amazing teams that you face, and then I mean Liverpool win it, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's like to be honest, the Club World Cup was is more around the journey you go on to get there mm-hmm. because it's so hard. Because and it's no disrespect to people who have never coached or been to the islands, but they're they're I don't think they're disrespected anymore. Well, they shouldn't be, mm. but like they're like they're so fucking good, man. Mm. Like they're good. Like it's not just the weather; it's not just the fact that you're away from home. Like they are good, good players mm-hmm. that you're playing against, technically and physically. They're, they're monsters. Yeah. Um, and you know the amount I've done. I've done the O League like three times. Um, it's uh, yeah. It's uh, not, not a walk in the park. Look, it's it's a hundred humidity it's 48 degrees you've got to play you're in black you're playing against the home team there's 23,000 people of them all supporting the home team they score first the ground shaking mm-hmm. like it's like it's monstrous you know like you're looking at the players and they've got nothing you know Jack Henry vomiting everywhere because he can't get through and and then you know we score one all and like it's just memories that like Club World Cup was the icing on the cake it was the journey that you yeah. went on to get there that meant 
more than being at Alain Stadium playing against that team. It was the fact of the hard yards you had to do in mm -hmm. the Solomons or Fiji playing against very, very, very good opposition. Yeah. And like it was just, uh, yeah, oh, I just, just want to go back there. It's like just nice. a buzz. And what are your thoughts on the whole proposed uh, change for next season, potentially National League, changing to a Champions League structure? Yeah, I think um, I think it's got its merits. I think it's got its um, I think it's got its pitfalls. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess the 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 powers that be will work through all of that yep. stuff um, and make sure that um, you know everyone's you know issues with it are explained or ironed out. And I think the, the biggest thing is, um, like, like, what's the reason for change? Is more, mm. more than what's anything. What's the why? Yeah, like, what's, mm. what's, the, what's the why? What's the reason? Um, but, like, give us some, give us some like, data around that. Like, okay. You know? yeah. It'll be interesting to know the reasons why they're, from a player perspective, why are they doing it? Because I've read the proposal and it's not... It's definitely from an from an organisational element. I can understand it, right? But how is it going to affect the players? You know, what are the different journeys players are actually going to have to go on mm. to actually achieve the same level of competition, the same level of development, and all that kind of thing? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is 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 um, is like recognising the player pool mm. is the biggest thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like a competition that is robust and. You know, there's there's good competition out there with teams like you saw it. You know, the weekend. You know, Hawks Bay weren't great last season, but they've recruited, they've done well in that regards. And then it was a it was a tight game. Like a lot of people were probably looking at Team Wellington versus Hawks Bay last season, where it was three one or four nil or whatever it was. Mm. And then it's people are like, oh really? It's uh, one nil to Hawks Bay. And it's like yeah, because like they've condensed it, and now it's it's harder. Yep. That's like that's what you want every week, you know. Uh, mate Scott, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on this podcast. I think we've yeah, we've talked through your whole career history and then we've taken it all the way through to the present day. So it's uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on and thanks for agreeing to talk to Total Football New Zealand. Really enjoyed it. Thanks guys. Cheers Scott. Cheers.